you, Santa Claus! Crafty Radio, episode 407, on December 25th, 2016. Gifts I'm preparing for some Christmas sharing, but I pause because... Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! And welcome to Santa Greg. Where we are... Uh, coming to you on this Christmas night to bring you tidings of good cheer and joy and beer. Sounds good. Hope everyone had a great Christmas. Ours was pretty good. Uh, long day with the kids, and after like yesterday, they were car- Greg was here for yeah. a few hours in the evening, and they were cranky. They were cranky. I'm already tired. But let's get on to the beers. Okay. What do we got? Well, we have a lot think- of stuff here. Do you want to start with the pale ale? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So this is from Arizona. I got it right this time. Four Peaks. This is their 8th Street Pale Ale. Uh, this is 4.9% alcohol by volume, 29 IBU. They call it an English-style bitter, which is weird than call it a pale ale on their website, but hey. Uh, the malts that are used are Caramel 80L, Carapils, Munich 10L, and Two Row, and the hops used are Fuggle and Golding. So it's kind of in that bitter, mm-hmm. you know, category in terms of what's going on there. Um, this won awards in 2000 and 2002 in the Great American Beer Festival, silver, and the World Beer Cup. It won bronze in 2002 and 2012. I assume in ESB. They don't say. So yeah. Looks good. So the color is a hazy orange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pale ale in that less specific kind of way. Yes. Pale ale in that 1998 kind of way, maybe. Right. So this one was canned on uh, September 27th, 2016. So um, Almost three months old. Almost three months old. Now the sticker that the retail place put on it says November or something. Yeah, so, so this was stocked on November 4th what that means in terms of when they got it or yeah, it's how hard to they say. got it, it's hard to say. Something kind of orangey, like orange notes. Mm-hmm. And there's a there. fair amount of malt backbone in there yeah, as yeah. well. You yeah. know, So you're getting kind of that um, almost like oh, yeah, a, yeah. a quick bread or something like that. You know, like a, you know, when you just kind of uh, do an unrisen... Yeah, pancake or something. Pancake, something like that, yeah. Yeah, like a, you know, like a, you know, when you're cooking like banana bread or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, those sweet, quick breads, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking of. The hopping is, it's, it's in there. It's not like blow your nose out, but yeah. you know, it's in there. It's balanced with the malt. Like I said, the orange is more sort of orange blossom into instead of like orange juice or orange okay. pith. This is the Eighth Street Paleo from Four Peaks. Four Peaks. Not bad. There's a lot of good malt there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of like. Gonna have to have another sip of that. It's very good. Yeah, it is. It's it's hoppy, but not you know like IPA hoppy mm-hmm. by any means of the imagination. But the malt is in there. The malt isn't quite as toffee as some ESBs tend to be. Right. You know this one. It kind of feels like it's in that zone between pale ale and ESB, right? Because it's a little more pale malt, where it's, you know, a little more just straight-up Italian bread or a little yes. bit like that, as opposed to more toffee-like. It, it maybe goes a little towards um, a little towards toasty on, on the malt. Just a, not crazy toasty, but enough that there's more than just, like, white bread or just, like, just plain Italian bread. Uh, there's the hops are there are very, very juicy without being uh, significantly overpowering without overpowering the malt. It doesn't get it very pithy or very bitter, but it does mm-hmm. kind of give um, a, a nice juice sort of balancing to the malt that's there. It's uh, pretty well done. I agree. That's a good drinker. Carbonation. You know, for an ESB, right? With those English styles, you think pub ale. Yeah. Carbonation on this one's a little 
just a touch above average for mm-hmm. ESB pale ale. So it, it is it's a little we always, you know, we could always work that out. Absolutely. It's just, a, but I was just saying, you know, as a, as poured, it was a little zingier than kind of what, where I would expect it to. But like Greg said, too much carbonation is easily fixed. Mm-hmm. Too littles. Too little's a harder problem to fix. Um, if, very good drinker. Uh, nice on the palate. Um, I could see definitely picking up like a, like a six pack of this and, and enjoying enjoying it a lot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased with this. Mm-hmm. Good start. <laughs> Good start to Christmas. <laughs> Good start to Christmas. Yes, absolutely. Also, with Christmas, I just had my 40th birthday. Mm. So, it's the holiday That's season right, for me. You old man. Yes. Greg had his 40th back in the summer. <laughs> So, yeah, we're both 40. We have 80 years of experience on Craft Beer Radio now. <laughs> A lot of that experience is probably not relevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dealing with humans. 80 years experience dealing with humans. Over 80 years experience. That's yeah, questionable. A lot of that sleep. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Metabolizing carbohydrates. How about that? Yes, there's a lot of breathing experience. We have nailed that. Circulation. Mm. We are on top. At least for a few more years. (laughs) So, yeah, that's the Eighth Street Pale Ale. There's not much to say about it, and it's really good. It's Mm -hmm. it's got. It, it's hitting the right notes. Probably not my favorite uh, ESP. I think that I still think the um, the Goose Island one was better. The Honkers, yeah, the Honkers, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, we got an email from someone you know who was happy that we had gone to do mm-hmm. kind of the plain Jane Goose Island and and you know agreed with what we saw in it. So you know because I, I mean I haven't had that beer in ages and I beat my expectations by a fair mark. Absolutely, it, it's. It's good to go back. I think, especially after you get the taste for some of the you know broader, more interesting stuff that's out there, and and like we're gonna have a beer with uh, Brett and Black Currants and stuff like that, and that's not a beginner beer, but it's definitely something that, you know people are gonna look look out for. When you get a taste for that, and you go back to some of the simpler ones, you start to really understand. I think the the benefit of those simple things and the thing that keeps coming to mind is when we had Trimmer Pills on and we had some oh, other man. other awesome beers on that with but that Trimmer Pills nailed everything so well that it was far and away number one beer that night. Yeah, it, it's you know, we get caught up in drinking pretty interesting beers on a regular basis, but when you come back to something that's simple and just it's a grand slam. Mm-hmm. It's 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 as special as yeah, drinking really that is. that um, double breaded, amazing whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where do we go from here? Hus? Oh, I, yeah, I guess so. It's it's there in the middle. So another beer that you brought back. Wait, you brought back the Hus, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, so we did like Hus IPA or something like that, and it was that a was drain the, pour. yeah. So we're going to give that. Hopefully, this one redeems them. Cross your fingers. This is the Hustler Milk Stout, five point five percent alcohol by volume, twelve IBU. This won twenty fifteen Great American Beer Fest Bronze, and the twenty sixteen American Canned Craft Beer Championship Silver. Canned Craft Beer Championship. Heard of that? Twenty sixteen. It's probably less prestigious, is it? Probably. So the color is black with brown highlights if you hold up to the light. Immediately smell some chocolate and roastiness. A little almost like mesquite quality there. Yeah, there's um kinda of, it's still a little cold. The um Okay, that explains what I was smelling. Um Flaked oats, but the other thing is milk sugars, so there's lactose in here. Sure, yeah. I mean, it says milk stout on the can. Yeah. So. 
<laughs> Didn't even hit me. So, I mean, that's one of the first things I smelled. Kind of has a, a bit of a, a creamy or maybe like a, a, a latte or dolce de leche type aroma to mm, yeah, it. Yeah, sure, like a milk sure. sugar, like a milk caramel type uh, type aroma. Like good flan. It's it's a pretty potent and sweet. It's kind of blending in with the uh, the roasty parts of the beer, kind of like chocolate milk too. Like a smell, kind of like chocolate milk. Yeah, a little bit more of the like Nestle quick version than okay. uh, pure chocolate milk, like than a Hershey's or if you get okay. chocolate milk at a store. It smells really good. Been cranking heat into this thing because just yeah. I can feel how cold my glasses and it is a little cold. <clears throat> All right, so first thing I notice when I take the sip is the mouthfeel it has kind of this creamy, velvety mouthfeel. It's not over carbonated or anything like that. It, it's just about right, and then it goes into. Kind of that dolce de leche type thing with a bit of cocoa, but there's um, kind of like cherry notes to it. I'm not really picking out oxidation as its own element or anything like that, but because I'm tasting the cherries as they are, even I'm finding these cherries enjoyable. Those flavors typically are derived from, you know, a stout getting oxidized. But I'm enjoying it, so... Trying to figure out what those flavors are, how they would get there. What are you drinking? Greg's quizzically staring into the bottom of the glass. Trying to figure out what this flavor is. Because it's something wasn't expecting. Hmm. Tastes very oxidized to me. Okay. Um, it's in line with what I'm tasting, but again, it doesn't taste bad to me. It kind of works for me, but I'm not saying it would work for everyone. Uh, it's approaching wet cardboard to me. Okay. Uh, it has... It's, it's There's this roasty component that is then sort of kicked in the high gear with an oxidation and it's it's just skipping over the kind of nice sherry parts to me and it's getting into this oxidized stuff and the first thing i tasted was something that reminded me of of a fish tank that needed cleaning well, that doesn't sound very no. good that's why i was like what? Wait a minute. That's why I need to stop and like I need to calibrate my taste buds because that doesn't seem right. And it so, wasn't. It wasn't right, but it was. It was on the way of getting my brain to right. where. where to so, go. did you see the amount we got from Greg McGill about canning and and dissolved, total dissolved oxygen and stuff like that? Um, I may have. So he is. You know, he has his his brewery there. There. Bureaucracy. Bureaucracy. Still pretty small. I, I don't know if they're be qualified as a gypsy. I think they actually... No, they have a place. They have gear. But, he, you know, they're ramping up. So he's been looking at packaging. And he had some information about cans I really was not aware of. You know, not being a brewer looking to own or run mm-hmm. a bottling line or a canning line. You know, it's some of the detail that most of the beer drinkers aren't going to get into. But... He feels that the, t- the dissolved oxygen in canned beers are like much more than they are in the equivalent bottling lines and things like that. Interesting. Uh, like two, two to three times. We know that the bottles oxygen. have those oxygen caps, right? The caps that can get no, rid of, or the, at least the, can. The caps. I mean, the cans could probably have the same lining. That can kind they? of thing. I mean, I don't know. You could put a. Lining in a can that could probably be the same kind of plastic that's on the cap. Yeah, but does, is that going to work for a can? And I don't think, I don't, that's the home brewers use those caps. I don't think very many okay. pro brewers use those caps. Um, but the other thing he says is the canning lines, they're, they're 
pretty wily when it comes to like the details of their oxygen and whatnot. Mm. But I think bottles are generally better because most, even the lower end bottling lines have uh, CO2 purging or, or, you know, sometimes nitrogen purging of the bottles where um, most low end canning lines don't, is what Greg was saying. Um, This isn't, but, you know, to the point, this is a stout that is oxidized in a can. To hell and back. I don't taste any of the lactose. I mean, because, I mean, we've had good luck. You know, generally, once the can is sealed, it's less permeable to oxygen mm-hmm. infiltration than bottles are. But we never really appreciated... Greg doesn't want it. We never appreciated the, um, I guess, the oxygen at the, at the onset of it, so... Yeah, it's good to have the information. That that yeah. is that's a pour for me. I, I'm not enjoying that. So, right back into the can. It's the nice thing about cans is you can pour them back in relatively easily, <laughs> not making too much of a mess. So, back to what I'm tasting. Yeah, I agree. It's oxidized, but for me, it's not fish tank or cardboard it is it's, it's not fish tank but that, that was the first like mm-hmm. it was the first thing that i got and i tried to steer myself into okay what am i actually tasting mm-hmm. uh and it was just a, a lot of oxidation but all the important things that i want to get in the milk stout were gone the yeah. oatmeal character is not there what i was tasting was this fruity thing this cherries or maybe like a strawberry and cream or something like that it was interesting but, you know, since the beer is gonzo, no point in continuing to figure that out. Indeed. All right. Well, let's go with a beer. Um, you pick. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this was sent to us from Sam Adams, Boston Beer. This is the Hop Flake White IPA. So one of the growing trend of... Uh, what what exactly is it? like? It's a wheat IPA that kind of takes yeah, like some, a, uh, a wit beer. Yeah, or, a wit beer. It's either a wheat, yeah, kind of like a wit beer with hops. Yeah, is, is generally what the base is. And from St. Adams, that'd be kind of expected since they coriander pretty much. No, the, the special ingredient is actually yeah. lemongrass. Yeah, see on this that. one. Uh, Two row pale malt blend, as they have put in most of their beers, and white wheat. Uh, and the hot varieties that are used are Chinook, Hillertown, Middlefra, and the Simcoe. This um, 6.0% alcohol by volume, 55 IBU. It is a seasonal, it's a winter release right now. Uh, I've had this before because I've had a couple of these from, uh, we had uh, Sam Adams pack at work. And so I partook in a few and I was uh, I was enjoying them at, at work. Let's see how it stands up mm-hmm. in, the, in the laboratory. In the spotlight. Yes. So the aroma on this one, as soon as it pours, is uh, a pretty potent noble hop. Uh, I probably heard what Greg was saying, but I wasn't paying attention. I would say like Haller, Haller Tower or something like that. But for, that's a go-to hop for Sam Adams. I mean, yeah. that'd probably be my guess for any noble flavor mm-hmm. or aroma that I get from Sam Adams. But there's also... There's Hiller Tower also, but there's also Chinook and Simcoe. Okay. I think if you look in there, you can definitely smell the Chinook... Because it's got there's a resiny mm-hmm. you know, okay. edge to it, and the Simcoe is kind of hiding for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can I can get something that's a little piney in there mm-hmm. or resiny or something like that. I think I can sell the Simcoe, but it's, it's mixed with the lemongrass in a very interesting way, and so it's hard to say that that's actually Simcoe. The flavor, the the hops are the at the forefront. They kind of come across as this piney grapefruit type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like the Chinook and Simcoe are kind of leading the flavor. The Hollertau, I'm not getting like a spicy hop flavor, which the Hollertau, even though it seems like it's mostly Hollertau in the aroma, I'm not really getting that much I'm getting flavor. a little bit because going along with the lemongrass. The lemongrass okay. is pretty strong in there. And mm-hmm. I actually kind of... I, I, and dig it. I think it's it's doing. You know, we've talked about lemongrass coming up a week before, but this is obviously a much mm-hmm. stronger uh, addition of having actual lemongrass in there, and it it gives a little bit of a. I mean, it's similar to curries because curries tend you know tend to have lemongrass put in there, 
So that's where my meter is for like picking out lemongrass and stuff. I like it. Yeah, I think it works out well. The the white IPA part of it, you know, the wheat part, Mm -hmm. it's 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 in there, but it's definitely way in the background. It's behind that lemongrass. It's it's not providing. Think about white IPAs in general is they don't give you much of a malt background. I mean, it's it's wheat. Um, it is not going to give you a whole lot of maltiness. It's not going to give you a whole lot of big breadiness mm-hmm. there. Uh, what it does do is it's a little, um, feels a little bit more open in some sense. It feels just a little bit more, I don't know exactly how to put it, but, uh, the, the texture is different in, in the wheat than yeah. it is in the, the, just a plain malt. So in the sip that I just took, I was able to, you know, Three sips in, I'm getting a little more acclimated to the beer. And I was able to get the malt more. And kind of what it was doing was it was making the the orange slash grapefruit like more juicy. Like it was really bolstering that flavor and kind of relatively, at least with the other things playing on my taste bud, it seemed like a pretty relatively sweet malt flavor, wheat malt flavor. And it was kind of adding to that juiciness of the mm-hmm. citrus. Uh, this is not going to win many awards, I think, but it is fine and a decent drinker. And I think uh, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be upset with yourself if you had one of these or two of these in a bar. Yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, I mean, I think it's good. Awards, you know, the White IPA Competition 2016. <laughs> yeah. There's not that many players right. in that market yet. Uh this one is a bit different, you know, because of that. And I agree with with you and kind of counter what I said off my first sip is that kind of spicy uh, double dose of Hallertowell type flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of that imperial schedule of dosing. Um, it's kind of hitting my tongue, that saturated spiciness, kind of getting a little flowery, like yep. clover or yep. something like that. Yes. And, um, and I like when I find... The times that I've had these double-dosed noble hops, they generally come out pretty cool, and that this one's doing the same. This was I was also happy to see this. So it comes in the Sam Adams uh, seasonal pack, mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of... There's like old Fezziwig, and there's chocolate Bach. And so I was like, good, something hoppy. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to see that in there. So gotcha. it's a nice balance when you have all that other stuff in there. All right. What next? Let's do Teddy Bear Kisses. And Caviar Dreams. Do you get the joke? I don't know if you get the reference. Uh... It sounds familiar, but no. It's from Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Oh, okay. Where he wishes you champagne kisses and caviar. Oh, uh, okay. Upland sent us this beer. This is a Russian Imperial Stout aged on cacao nibs. All right. Well. Sounds like a promising combination of things. Mm-hmm. 10% alcohol by volume, 80 IBU. Hmm. Won a gold medal in the 2010 World Beer Championships. Bob Bones out of Bloomington, Indiana. All right, this thing pours with a dark brown head, pitch black beer. Want to get this guy nice and warm, wrapping my hands around the glass. Just, you know, you know 10% Imperial Stout. I want to drink it at 58 to 64 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost, almost the warmer the better. So see if there's any news that came up that we haven't talked about, beer-wise. You should have done that scrolling, before we scrolling started. through all my stuff, and I'm like, okay, well, there's, <laughs> there's lots of Star Wars stuff here that we talked about in the pre-show. Um, yeah, not much. Pennsylvania did sign that bill into law. Yes, yes. They did sign the bill, which would go... They signed the bill, I guess, November 15th. So 60 days after November 15th, it would go into effect. We can now go into distributors and get six packs. Right, so... Even singles, right, I think? You can get wine at distributors now. 
Right. So this is what what we call a beer distributor in Pennsylvania is a special kind of store that not many other places have. It is not a state-run store. It's a privately owned store. And up until recently, they could sell cases of beer, 12 packs of beer over the last year or two. They can sell chips and pretzels. They can't sell limes for the Coronas. Which is interesting. They can't sell produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so this weird store thing. Uh, up until recently, that was the like the only convenient place to buy beer. Um, things have changed a lot over the last ten years, but we're still pretty backwards. But now these stores can sell small quantities of beer, which used to be the realm of the taverns takeout type license. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out. Uh, Seems like a lot of protective walls are getting chipped away at. Um, some are still being held on to, so I don't know. We'll see how how it works out. You talked about this before, how the the part of the reason for this change is because they opened up the tavern license a little bit more and allowed there to be a lot of entry from like grocery stores like our big chain here in Giant Eagle, and that started to suck a lot of business away from the from the beer distributors, and so they, this is a way to sort of bring that back. Yeah. I mean, because before they had a captive audience. Yeah. And now that the competition was introduced, you know, not just amongst beer distributors, but people who just wanted to buy a six-pack at the place where they buy food, groceries, uh, you know, it, it leaves the opportunity for these beer distributors to... Uh, use their core competency, which is selling beer, right? So you find the ones, I'm going to find the ones that are going to provide like a better selection than Giant Eagle. Those are, kinds of things. are you interested in Pace Magazine's best new beers of 2016? Well, just go through the list. I'm not going to go through, it, through anything else. Through uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested in it. I, I haven't seen it. and All right, so uh, French Vanilla Matil- uh, French Vanilla Militia from Three Floyds. Uh, rare scoop from uh, Three Sons and, and Cycle. Okay, uh, you know, I mean, the only thing I'm saying is, you know, these kind of lists, right? There's what going to be twenty five. No, beers. there's only ten. ten. Okay, ten beers out of you know four thousand breweries. Yeah, Man is Bear the... Pig from Voodoo, which I haven't had. Uh, Clover from Hill Farmstead. Okay, did we have that? No, we haven't had Clover. On Fleek from Stillwater Artisanal. We had On Fleek. Yes. Um. Nothing Gold from Bizzle Brothers, Dayunde Double IPA from Creature Comforts, a 30th Anniversary Keller Pills from Summit Brewing. I think we like that one a lot, yeah, as I remember. Yeah. Uh, Pulling Nails from Side Project, and Fitz Corraldo from Breakside Brewing. Oh, and Capigian from Avery. And Enjoy by Black IPA from Stone. All right. I, I don't know how you can pick 10 of the best new beers. Yeah, I don't know either, but um, we've had... Or the 10 best new beers. We've had two of them on the show that I recognize, at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were both uh, pretty good. I don't know if I'd call a one-off anniversary beer one of the best new beers. But, you know, Pace Magazine. Hey, they do good stuff with the IPA stuff. They do, you know. yeah. All right, so Teddy Bear Kisses should be nice and warm by now. The aroma on this one, it, it's it's not too boozy in the aroma, but you're getting some dark roast there. It definitely smells like an imperial stout. And then you get some kind of like cocoa, like almost like baker's chocolate type aroma on there. A lot of what you want out of a Russian imperial stout is here. Nice warming, uh, big, um, big body. Yeah. Uh, good viscosity to it. It's got um, nice, uh, nice bitter qualities without getting too astringent. Uh, the chocolate is used well, I think, here because it's not getting overpowering. It is going a little bit towards the. Um, you can confuse some chocolate with oxidation if you're not careful because mm-hmm. it goes into some of those sort of sherry notes. It it's does. not oxidation. Oxidation. Yeah, I mean, this isn't a chocolate beer. Yeah, it's a. This is a beer. With cocoa influences to it. So think unsweetened chocolate. Think baker's chocolate. Think um, if you've ever had any really like high, like 
not um, Swiss Miss hot chocolate, but like high end hot chocolate. You know, you get some of like mm-hmm. I I've had some. It's been so many years now. I forget, but I bought Heather, you know, for Christmas one year. This kind of like these canisters of like good hot chocolate, and you know, it takes me back to to those where yeah. you're getting, you know, more flavor than just cocoa powder and sugar. This is a beer that Heather would like, I think. Yeah, I definitely think she'd like this. I don't think I told this story. You can stop me on the air. But at Thanksgiving, one of the beers I took over my parents' house was Victory's Sour Monkey, which is Golden Monkey. Um, Kettle soured? Didn't To me, it didn't taste kettle soured. It tasted more Flandersy or something like that. Really good beer. And Heather doesn't like sour things. She doesn't like Belgian things. She loved that beer. <laughs> we were playing a game, and she was sitting beside me, not playing the game. And she was, like, bogarting my beer. Like, I came back with the glasses, like, empty. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's another breakthrough for, for my wife. Where, you know, it's she likes Sour Monkey, which... You know, she she the bigger, the blacker the Imperial Stout, the happier mm-hmm. she is. She'll she'll eat drink them all day long. She just bought a four pack of Narwhal, you know, case of breakfast stout. You know, she's doing all this <laughs> stuff. But you know, it's interesting because once that once a door opens, she kind of she goes all in. So <laughs> so some door is open here on this yeah, hour. Stuff, it could so. be, yeah. This is nice. It's it's very drinkable. Like it's going down really smooth. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's it. I really, I think the cocoa. Like if you order this thing on draft and you don't know, I, I think you might not notice it. It's subtle, but it's distinctive. It's there. Um, you know, as I'm getting through more of my sample, I'm getting a little bit more of a a woody, like a a chicory note or something like that, kind sure, of left yeah, over on my that. tongue. Yeah. Um. A lot of hops in here. A lot mm-hmm. of hops. 80 IBU. They, they threw a lot of hops in here yeah. to, to, to keep it from getting too sweet. And yeah, yeah. I think the bitterness is kind of... Ba- it balances the beer. This is mm-hmm. really good balance. Um, The booze is hidden. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You mentioned warming on your first taste. I guess there's the, some warming the, there, the warming but it's, there, but it's it, not but boozy. It's, is, um, uh, it it is... It doesn't feel boozy, and so it, this is a beer that could scare you at how quickly you... Oh, my... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Had three of these. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I was a little shocked, and then I realized, okay, so we only, you only poured half the bottle, so... Yeah, I yeah. Down. I didn't want to have... Yeah. I've done that too many times where it's only six ounces when mm-hmm. we split it in half, but it's early in the show, and yeah. you know, it's one of those beers you don't want to drain pour. So, yeah, we still got a few ounces left for at the end. Speaking of early in the show, it is uh, it's late in the year. It is late in the year. So, I want to thank anybody who used uh, Amazon Anonymous to help us out. Uh, Amazon Anonymous. <laughs> Bring me all Amazon. Yeah, yeah using our of, referral link yeah. to do your holiday shopping. I can't even look because I think you changed the password, so I don't have it anymore. Oh, I can give it to you again. I didn't, yeah. if I did, I'd. It was probably because Amazon made me change it. It's possible. Uh, but, yeah, well, we haven't uh, done Amazon Anonymous in a while. But we really do appreciate because people have been using the link. And uh, it, like, it helps support the show. And we really appreciate you guys really came through on the holiday season. Uh, but, you know, if you're looking for some New Year's gifts, you know, there's only uh, five day, five shopping days left for the New Year's shopping season. <laughs> We're starting a new thing. Just wait until I start counting down uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, <laughs> oh no! Uh, radio.com slash Amazon. You know, you know how to do that. You get, hopefully, all the best listeners have this Pavlovian response. For like, I need to buy something. Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. And all the not quite best listeners, but they're getting there, right? I mean, you, you know, you're on your way to being one of the best listeners if that's what you do. Yeah. Easy peasy. The best you, the best listeners do it automatically. But you could be. You could be among the best. You need, But you need to train yourself. And in order to do that, you need to go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon whenever you want to shop for something. That's how you get there. It's, yeah. I mean, it, 
it just becomes nature like that, and then you're like one of the best listeners yeah. ever. And then suddenly you're so good at, at beer listening. drinking, it's it's amazing. And listening. And listening. But beer drinking too. Like, and virility. Well, I know uh, people like you better. You'd be taller. It's it's quite amazing what happens to you. Uh, you get into like all the good clubs. Um, Your boss gives you raises. Yeah. I mean, you get the best heaven because there there's some not great heavens out there. Let's face it. Just, Crafter Radio does not re- <laughs> does not endorse or does not or does not endorse any particular religion. <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> does not guarantee oh, that, improvements in height, virility, that, and true. or that's true, or raises. We're not saying that if you get a raise, it's because of us, but come on. <laughs> All right, okay. Before we uh, write some more checks, our body can't cash. Uh huh. Let's do this Virginia commemorative collaboration. From Stone. Stone sent this beer to us. This is Stone and... Who else? So Stone's opening that new brewery in Richmond, right? And this is a tribute to Richmond and the rise of craft beer independence, it says. Patrick Henry, blah, 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 blah. This is Give Me Stout or Give Me Death. Okay, here we go. We got uh, Arden's Craft Ales, Hardywood Park... And his excellently Terry McCullough, the Virginia governor, helped brew this beer. <laughs> All right, so this is 9.5% alcohol by volume, another Imperial Stout, 94 IBU. The featured hops are Belma and Nugget. Belma. Belma. Sounds like Wilma. <laughs> Let's take a look at Belma. Belma is. Dual purpose variety, hops, so aroma, and uh, flavoring, mm-hmm. and clean hop, very orange, slight grapefruit, tropical pineapple, strawberry, and melon aroma. Interesting. Belma. Belma. Right? Imperial Stout. The head's not quite as dark as Teddy Bear Kisses, but it's a dark tan head. Pitch black beer. Hoppy. Yeah. It's a hoppy Imperial Stout. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the hops fruity, are... Fruity. Fruity hop. Playing with those dark roasts, you know, it takes a little bit of calibration, calibration to figure out... Because the hops just smell different when they're, you know, in such a big, roasty beer. Definitely kind of like I'm getting like a strawberry peach. Yeah, I can go with that. It's weird because I'm not really getting a nugget at all. Okay. But yeah, it's while it while I'm able to smell it, it's hoppy and the strawberry peach is kind of suggestive. I'm having a bit of a hard time getting at the malts. Getting it. Huh? Anything else? <laughs> it's a cacophony on the nose. That's it, for there, sure. There's a lot of a lot of interesting fruit. Aromas going on, but I'm yeah I'm having trouble penetrating that to get to the malt. I don't know if it's because you know when you read Belma you said Melanie, but I'm smelling like a cantaloupe in here. That's that's what I, I'm like. I, I'm, my first like three or four times, I'm like, oh, that's just suggestion from what Greg had said, but it's not going away. So you know what I smell? I don't smell cantaloupe. I smell honeydew. Hmm. I thought about it before I said it, and for me, it's definitely cantaloupe. That's interesting. The flavor. It's probably the hoppiest Imperial Stout I have, but it's also the only one I can think of where it's fruity and not just resiny, bitter, piney, something like that. You get this... um, This is jam-packed. Jam-packed? With. With. Virginia. Yes. Raspberries and blackberries. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember that now. <laughs> that 
changes things, I bet you it? the next sip is going to change what I taste. And it's probably going to be less cantaloupe, and yes. it's going to be more uh, briar berries, I think, here. Context is so helpful. Getting that <laughs> that uh, understanding of what it is you're tasting allows you to dig in so much more. So we, t- we talked about it all the time. We, we've done the blind shows, how lost we can be without having those flags planted, without mm-hmm. getting an idea of where we are, without having our GPS on. You have to know... What you're tasting to really be able to get the to get the best exploration of it, and it's not a matter of training or anything else. It does. It doesn't matter how well trained you are, because if if you are lost, you're going to be lost. So get as much. That's why. It's one of the reasons why I like to read information about mm-hmm. the beer and why I like to know as much as I can about a beer, hopefully, that a bar has. Because the more I know about it, the more I know what I'm looking for and what I'm going to taste. I still think that fruit, the fruits are... I, I get kind of a little per, around the periphery, but I'm still tasting that melon. And that I think the melon's thing. there. Yeah, the cantaloupe thing. The is melon still... is, is absolutely there. Um, the Knowing the berries are there helps... Helps you, I think, understand this kind of almost pectin-like quality to the beer. So pectin right. is the the stuff um, in jams, essentially, that makes them jam. It's the it's kind of like the berry equivalent of gluten. It allows it to make a structure right. uh, that that keeps it um, held up and keeps sort of a foam there and keeps that. In place, so you get that interesting texture quality there, along with um, the flavors of raspberries and blueberries are relatively muted compared to some of the other right. big chocolatey flavors that are going on there. They're there, but it's this other additional jam-like quality mm-hmm. that's coming through. Right. It's very well said. I think that's better than I could have. Described it. Uh, again, this one's not very boozy, but there's a fair amount of warming in there. You can tell yeah. that there's, um, you can tell you're drinking an Imperial Stout. It is not very sweet. There is a fair amount of bitterness to it. The, there's It's more roasty than chocolatey, yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, the fruit, especially like the blackberry type notes that I'm trying to pull, which I think are there, um, are kind of bolstering that kind of, um, you know, that, um, that roasty sherry type Imperial stout thing that I like. And then, yeah, the hops with that melon note is kind of an interesting angle. Definitely not makes it non-traditional stout for sure. The nugget is coming out on the end and is laying down sort of a more traditional stone bitterness, uh, that, that I'm sort of used to mm-hmm. uh, coming from um, like, like the Russian Imperial style and stuff like that. So uh, if you're looking for that stone bitterness, it's definitely here in this one. This one was bottled on uh, November 17th, so it's... And they sent it to us. I mean, it's pretty fresh. Yeah, it just came this week. Yeah. Or that was stone give me stout or give me death. Give me stout. I think, yes, that's yeah. probably better. Yeah. All right, and the final beer on this Christmas evening is a beer that Heather picked up for my birthday. Green Flash Cellar 3, the Oculus Sauvage. Oh, it's, in, it's a VR beer? I guess. So we go from well, raspberries. Yeah, it might, give, it might give you beer goggles. <laughs> we go from raspberries and blueberries to black currants in this one. This is Oculus Savage with black currant, part of their Cellar Three series. Uh, 
It's a vanilla. It's a Belgian style imperial IPA. Ten point seven percent alcohol by volume. Because <laughs> we've been doing small pours. Yeah, ten, 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 hundred and one IBU. I just said and, so it's even even I'm even you are not immune yes. to putting an and in your numbers. A hundred IBU and one. Oculus Sauvage. It's like sausage, but a V instead of an S for that second S. So Heather went to Whole Foods and kind of hung out with their beer guy. He's like, my husband's big shit, and I want to get him something good. This is also barrel-aged in French oak red wine barrels. Uh, and they, it's infused with bread and ices. So the Whole Foods guy suggested this and a few, another, a couple other green flashes. I got a, uh, a Goose Island that's supposed to be pretty darn good. I saw that. Was it Sophie, I think? It wasn't Sophie. It was, uh, I forget. It was one we haven't had before. And when I saw it, I was like, ooh, because those are, some of those are, like, really expensive and just kind of, but, uh. Got some feedback saying that that one was one of the ones that's worth it. So this smells pretty good. Uh, the color is a deep purple. It looks like grimace. <laughs> <laughs> the head is purple. Nothing can kill the grimace. <laughs> the head is definitely purple. Yeah. And um, smells. What's what's that song by Deep Purple? Smoke is on the water. Yeah. This is the 2016 batch one, 9.4, you said, yeah. No, no, 9.4. Yes. They say on their website, 10.7. Now this does say 101 IBUs. That, that I have. Everything else you said is right. According to the bottle. Brett comes through very strongly on the aroma, along with a... This is definitely the purplest Imperial IPA that I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, it's very strongly breaded, uh, but there's a nice sort of tartness to and, and a current thing going on. I'm curious to see whether the Brett takes over the flavor or whether it could just contributes nicely. Mm-hmm. I guess it smells like other breaded IPAs where the hops kind of take on this, like, like a primary fermentation of the bread, not necessarily this secondary souring, yeah. but I'm thinking of like Wild Devil, where they take Hop Devil, dose it with a ton of bread for a primary fermentation, and then bottle the beer, you know, so it's kind of a quick turn, as quick as you can with bread. I'm not sure exactly how long they ferment that for, but it's not really aged on bread. And uh, I'm kind of thinking I'm smelling things like that, but with all that current in there, and then, you know, there is some other Brett Funky type aromas in there. It's hard to tell how those hops are going to come through. Mostly hop, right. Hops do come through. They do. The hops come through, you said? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm getting like a. Almost like a. Like a Belgio IPA, like a Raging Bitch or something like that. Yeah, okay. Now, yeah, all right. Yep, they're coming through. Sorry, I was I was focusing on something else. Sure. Now. Okay. Took my tongue to the hops. Yeah, there they are. Mm-hmm. They're coming through. It's a lot of current here too. A lot of vanilla. A lot of uh, a lot of red wine. The tannic. Yeah. Note. There's a lot going on in this beer. You got you know at first you notice kind of that current fruit goes into the hops. Then kind of the sourness kind of hits you, and it's a little bit, um, it's not just like Brett funk and dustiness. There's some tang in there as well. Yeah. This is a kitchen sink of a beer. There's mm-hmm. there's the wine barrel. There's a bit of oakiness. Mm-hmm. There is some kind of culture that makes it a little bit more sour than, you know, Brett funk. It feels like, I, I haven't played... Um, this game, but I know stuff's about it. Did the game Kerbal Space Program? Okay, where you can design your own rock and stuff like that. Um, and sometimes I've seen things where people build rockets, and 
they have like things hanging on to them okay. on various stages. It feels like that. It feels like something that uh, there, there's just other stuff sticking out of it. And so far, uh, two sips in when it was relatively cold, it was working. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm warming it up to see, you know, how, how well it <laughs> it's almost like uh, a six-year-old designed yeah. beer, <laughs> right? Or you know, you build something with Legos and then you just kind of throw a bunch of other Legos and stuff on there. Uh, and somehow it it glides, or it somehow it manages to to uh, to, to work correctly. As I'm drinking it, kind of the the cheese rind part of it is kind of picking up. You know, I'm noticing that more and more, almost like uh, I think I'm like a I don't know cave aged white cheddar or something like that with that really like hard and kind of um soury moldy rind. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um cuz there's a little there's almost a little dryness at the end and that feels almost crumbly like a cheese like a cheddar. Mm-hmm. Um So, here's the thing about uh adding all that stuff onto your rocket is it's going to cause a lot of drag. And it means that you're not going to get as high as you might if you had managed to integrate that stuff fully inside the, the inside rocket Inside the itself. shell, yeah. Uh, and I feel like... I feel like this is close to well-integrated, but not quite. Like, it's... You know, as I'm drinking it, that that funky cheese rind is is overpowering everything really? else, everything else in the flavor. And you know, while I like really complex, you know, like gross, yeah. like figuring out, like, hey, it's a gross flavor. How can I like this gross <laughs> flavor? I mean, this one, but it, you know, it's to me, it's it's wiping out the Belgian IPA. It's wiping out the current. It is it's a little wiping bit, out. There, it's. The problem with this is and that okay, here's let me let me get this from a different angle than than the than a dumb Kerbal uh, analogy. With the best beers that have a lot of in, interesting and unique qualities, it definitely feels like it comes from the ground up. Where this feels like it's built, put together, uh, top down as opposed to bottom up. This the, it's not coming from just the the. The, the way they managed to massage the ingredients together. Mm-hmm. They said, well, let's take Brett and put it in red wine barrels and add black currant and uh, then throw a whole bunch of hops in there. And... I mean, everything sounded great until you said throw a Belgio IPA in that beer, in yeah. that barrel, you know. At that point, you start scratching your head. And then your culture runs away. And gives it this, you know, like this cave age cheddar type funkiness. It's not bad, but there are beers that have flavors like this that also have a deepness to them that this is lacking. Mm-hmm. And you can taste that well, to me because I... you're because you can so easily focus on that cheese thing. Yeah. Uh, no, the cheese thing can work. It can work with the current. Yeah, the hops are the hops are like scratching that record. They're taking it out of tune. Interesting. Yeah, it it the hops. You're right because the hops are are yeah the hops are playing something different and yeah. they and whatever it is it's not it's not this song. I, I think it's you got three things and any two could work. You got the the funky cheesy sourness. You got the currants. You got this rich currenty goodness, and then you got this Belgian IPA that seems like it could be good with with the che- funky sourness, maybe or at least a little bit of that with most of that bread. You got the currants, which could work with either. But I, I think that that Belgian IPA is the odd man out here. Could be. Could be. Put a strong golden in there. Put a quad in there. Put a double in there. Ooh, a quad would be so good. 
I, I would kind of, yeah, that would be good. I think that's an easy one. I, I'd like yeah, to see Golden Strong. <laughs> yeah, Strong Golden or something in there. You know, put Modit in with the currants. Sure. In the bread. Sure. I love currants so much. I, I think that they make a great addition to, to beer. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite uh, old beers were that kind of a right. current stuff. Okay, I think it's time to rank. All right. And here we go. And away we go. Now, I assume not we're not ranking the Huss. Yeah, the Hustler. Well, I mean, we can rank it. it, it, it no. I mean, are you going to rank the uh, Green Flash below the Hustler? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> okay, then let's not rank it. Um, but but that was what the brewer intended. It, it wasn't spoiled. It which, was which one? It was over oxidized. No, that's not what they're intended. That's that's could be on the shelf too long. They could have had poor packaging. Yeah, they could have had true. Okay. It's it's spo- you know you get too much air in the canning and it's you got to oxidize. Right. Okay, so let's see. I'm going to put I'm put the Four Peaks in last place. You know, it was that Pale Ale ESB that it was as a fine drinker. I think I'm going to put the the beer other beers ahead of that. I will put the Green Flash in fourth place. That is fourth, yeah, fourth place. It was interesting. At least it was worth dissecting. I mean, comparing those two, that was a good drinker. I mean, this one was an interesting drink as well. You can you can argue which one. You're, I'm going to put it in fourth place because I had more fun dissecting it, figuring it out, and then finally coming to the conclusion I didn't like it that much. But I had fun figuring, coming to that conclusion. Third place, I'm going to put the Sam Adams Hop Flake. Uh, what I liked about that beer is that kind of that double dose of Hallertau and how the hop flavors kind of played and gave me that juicy, fruity, spicy, clovery type flavors. Second place, I'm going to put the Stone Give Me Stout or Give Me Death. It was good. I probably would like to see a little more berry flavor. And maybe a little less of the stone bitterness and stone hopping in that one. But, you know, it's a stone beer, so those kind of come with the bottle. And then I'm going to put the Upland in first place. I thought that Teddy Bear Kisses was a great Imperial Stout. Um, not too sweet. The cacao nibs, if you, you know, didn't have the bottle in front of you and just ordered it off drafts, weren't paying attention, you could easily miss it, but it added a little nuance to it. A little complexity towards the end, it got a little woody or chicory type thing coming on, which I'm pretty sure I'm attributing almost all to that cacao. But other than that, I thought that was a really good beer. I'm kind of shocked at where you put the Four Peaks. Yeah, I I liked the Four Peaks a lot. Okay. Fifth place, Green Flash. This beer is in my glass right now. Uh, trying too hard sometimes to to get it. Uh, no, I'm finished. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think I'm, uh, it's not not that bad. <laughs> Um, but not, um, not great. Uh, feels like they're trying too hard. Um, you know, pull back. I think you'll let this thing meld with less additions and you'll probably have something awesome. Yeah. Don't, don't throw in all those hops. Number four, I'm going to put the Sam Adams. I think I, I think it's a really nice, uh, interesting drinker, particularly if you have a whole bunch of porters and stouts and box and stuff like that, and in holiday ales, and you want to get something hoppy. It's very nice break. Uh, there are there are better white IPAs. Uh, number three, I'm going to put the Stone, mostly because it got a little too bitter for my taste near the end there, uh, but I liked a lot. Of what the stone was giving me, um, and uh, a little too bitter for my taste is not too bitter for most beer drinkers. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Four Peaks in second place. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It's great drinker. Went down nice and smooth. Not my favorite ESB, but uh, I liked it a lot. But in number one, that Upland was just like right on the money for a. Great Russian Imperial Stout. Kind of 
Hit nail on the head there. It's pretty good. Absolutely. I didn't feel right. any music for the post show. Let's find something real quick. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. Talk about how this song. I had a tweet about how this. I'll talk about it in the post show. All right. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. Doing that at the front this time. If you want to contact us, you can send an email to beer at craftbeerradio.com. On Twitter, uh, I am at Jeff Bearer. At CBR Greg. At Craft Beer Radio is the shared account. And uh, we really appreciate you listening. Have a great Christmas, rest of your Christmas, which you're not going to hear this on Christmas, but you know, have a great New Year's. Yes. And uh, we'll be back in the new year with a uh, another show. Yeah, we won't have a New Year's show, uh, but we're going to, you know, be back on Target and we'll probably do something soon with a call-in type show. Yeah. Things like that. So yeah. look forward uh, to that. I put that out there last time, so yeah, yeah I'm going to set up the call-in show real soon. Get that thing going, and uh, like I said, thanks everyone. You're the best. How many years can some people-